wanted to kind of zoom out for one week as we start this and really look specifically at this idea of community. I believe that God has wired us. He has designed us for community as individuals, as a church, as his body. And so I want to look at that today. We are, of course, named City Church. Our church took that name on in the spring of 2008. Uh, And when we moved here to Olive Branch from South Haven is when we grabbed that name, City Church. And I'm one of those people, I find great significance in names. I'm one of those people that spends way too much time thinking about names. Uh, My wife and I have not had children yet, but we've already brainstormed out, like, we can name, like, 50 kids. Like, we already know what we like and especially what we don't like. We are big, big, big on names. And I think there's no coincidence that God led this church to embrace the name City Church. I think there's something in our name. I think we need to be inspired by that. I think we need to grab hold of what the name of our church is. So I want to talk to you about that for just a couple of minutes. Why are we City Church? What does City Church mean? Well, first of all, it means obviously that we are a church of and for our city. We have a program we call Mission OB, and that's what our our clothing drive is a part of. We do all kinds of things throughout the year to get out of the building into the community to touch the community. We believe very strongly that if Olive Branch is not a better place because the church is here, then we failed. Like the community should be better. Proverbs 11.11 says, through the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted. If we are upright, if we are the people God's called us to be, the city should be better because we're here or else we miss the boat. So we're very driven towards our city. We want to be engaged in our city. We want to make an impact in our city. But I believe there's a second meaning in that name City Church that I really want to look at. I believe that not only are we a city for our, or we are a church for our city, we are a church that is supposed to be a city within a city. Not only do we exist for our community, but we exist to create community for the people who are here. So what is the most basic definition of a city? A city is what? Is a large neighborhood, a large community, a large village. It's, it's bigger than just a small something it is a large community so that city church is supposed to be a church that is a large community we do have a vision to grow if you're one of those people that's like i love city church because there's not that many people there and i can get to know the pastor man we got a vision for that to not be the case we got a vision to reach people we got a vision that there's a whole lot of lost people in our community that need jesus and so we want to grow we want to grow bigger we want to grow smaller as we grow bigger, we want to grow closer together. We want to continue to develop that community. But we do have a vision to be bigger than what you see today. We think that we should be a church of the city. We should be city church. So when you come to that word community, I don't know what the first thing that you think of when you hear that word community is, but one of the first things I think of is community college. How many people attended or are attending or plan on attending community college? We got some community college people in the house. Not too many, but we got a few. Uh, If you went to community college, what I'm about to say might offend you. Uh, So just be warned ahead of time. I'm just going to tell you before I get to it. But the the comedian Chris Rock, he used to talk about community college. And he said, why do they call it community college? He said, because anybody in the community can go there. So you could be a crackhead. You could be a prostitute. It don't matter who you are or what you do. You can get in to community college. And that's not actually 100% accurate. Uh, But I think what an awesome vision for a church. If we're going to be city church, shouldn't we be the church that anybody from the city can come to? Man, it doesn't matter what your past is. doesn't matter what your sin is. doesn't matter what your struggle is. This is a place where you can come and be accepted, 
where you can come and you can grow and Jesus Christ can change you. That's what we want to be. That's the community that we want to build. In fact, I think that's a lot like what Paul describes in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Writing to the Corinthians, he says in verse 9, Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. So he just goes through this whole list of big, public, nasty sin. If you're one of these, you're not inheriting the kingdom of God. Ouch. Bad news, right? But then he backs it up with good news. He says, and that is what some of you were. Past tense. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. See, I think the church in Corinth was a city church. I think it was a church that was a reflection of its community and all the junk, all the issues, all the flaws that were prevalent in Corinth. They were in the church, but man, Jesus was changing people. He was washing people. He was sanctifying people. He was raising up a community that was different from the community that it was in. That it was in. And that's what city church it's supposed to be all about. That's what any church is supposed to be all about. We're supposed to be about life change. We're supposed to be about glorifying God and glorifying him through the changed lives that come through our doors. So this word community is, is very interesting. It has two root words in the English word. They're very easy to pick out. The first root is common, and the second root is unity. The irony is that word community is supposed to be common unity, and it is, of course, not very common. It's definitely not common in the church world to see unity. It's not common in the church world to see a body of believers who don't talk bad about each other, who don't put each other down, who don't grab offenses. It's unfortunately far too uncommon. Why is community not prevalent in church world? Well, I think there's a lot of reasons. I want to go through a few of them with you. First reason why I think a lot of us don't embrace God-given community or we don't discover God-given community or maybe we're just not in God-ordained community right now is this life is busy. Man, there's just a lot going on, man. We've got work. We've got our hobbies. The kids have sports. they got activities. The schedule is full. And I think a lot of times good people, godly people, Christian people don't discover God-given community. They don't participate in God-given community just because there's so much going on. Many times I think we don't seek out community because at our root, many of us, myself included, we're just selfish. We're more worried about the things that we think, the things that we want, the things that we need than what anybody else needs. And we're afraid that, hey, if we get in community, that means we might have to do something for somebody else. It means somebody else might find out something about me. They might discover that I'm not perfect. They might realize that those thousands of dollars that I spent on makeup, that's not really what I look like, right? They might see those flaws within us. I think some people are desperate for godly community, and they just don't know where to find it. And that's a really sad statement about the American church, because it should be really easy to find godly community. I think some of us, we've got so much other community in our life that we just don't have room for godly community. We've got this group and that group and everything else. And I'm not telling you to be away from sinners. I'm not telling you that you only need to spend time with Christians. I don't believe that at all. Man, we need to be in but not of the world. But at the same time, we need to have some godly community. We need to have some Christians that we can lean on. We need to have some people that we can go to when crisis strikes because we know they're going to pray for us. We know they're going to give us godly advice. We know they're going to have our backs. And some of us, we just got too much other community to have room 
for godly community. And finally, I think a lot of us, we just don't realize how important godly community really is. Whatever the reasons that we miss out on community, I believe that we have to overcome them. I believe community is worth fighting for. I believe community is worth being uncomfortable for. I believe community is worth sacrificing for. I believe it's something that we must have in our lives. So I want to spend a few minutes today doing exactly what the, t- the subtitle of our series says. The, this is the title of my message today is, man, let's discover God's design for community. Let's turn to the scriptures and see how God wired us for the community, see what he has taught us through his word about community. So we're going to start in Genesis chapter 1, verse 21, 28. I love to start at the beginning. I think there's so much in the beginning that, that communicates so much to us. Excuse me, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. The first thought I want to give you about God giving community today is that community isn't just what God designed for me. It's who God is. God is in community. This is, of course, here in Genesis 1.26, the first picture that we get of the Trinity, that God is not alone. You ever thought about that? God's not alone. God's not lonely. God is in community, eternally past to eternity future. From the very beginning, God has been in community. He exists as three distinct individuals, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And yet the three are in perfect unity and perfect harmony. Now understand this, that's a level of community I am not trying to sell you on. We will never have that kind of community. We will always be flawed. We will not be in perfect unity. We will not be in perfect harmony. I'm not telling you you can have that type of community here at City Church. We're not that. But God has it. He has total, complete, perfect unity. And so God says to himself, let us make man in our image. And he goes out and he does it and he makes Adam. And here we are, thousands of years later, many, many generations later. We are a room full of people created in the image of God. And since we're created in his image, And God's image is one of community, of unity. What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to reflect God in the world. If God is in perfect unity, if he's in harmony, we're supposed to strive for great community, for great unity, for great harmony in our God-given relationships. The creation story doesn't stop here, of course. God gives Adam, the first man, a job. He pulls him and he sets him in a garden and he says, you're going to work this garden of Eden. And then in Genesis 2.18, God says this. He says, it is not good for man to be what? Not good for man to be alone. So Adam, Adam was, he was perfect. He was sinless at this point in time. Adam had not sinned. He had not thought a bad thought. He had not said a wrong thing. He had not had any conflict because there was nobody to have conflict with, I guess. But uh, he, w- he had not had any problems yet. And yet God said it's not good for him to to be alone. And so that brings us to our second thought today is that we are designed for community. I don't believe that God made Adam and then realized, oh man, something is missing. I think that God knew from the very beginning when he created Adam that Eve was coming. I think from the very beginning, God knew what his plan was, that Adam had within him a burning desire for community with someone like him. And God, being a good God, wanted to give that to Adam. Wanted to give that to us. We are designed, it is in our DNA, to desire community. I've had the incredible honor of doing a lot of weddings in 2013. It's one of the privileges of 
pastoring uh, a church with so many young people growing up in it. And they grow up, and they fall in love, and they get married. And it's been such an incredible season to do all these weddings. And every time I've been able to do a wedding this year, I've also been able to lead the the man and wife, the the groom and the bride, through premarital counseling. And we do quite a few sessions of premarital counseling. And this verse, obviously, is one that comes up in premarital counseling. This is obviously God's design for marriage. That's really what we know this verse as. We teach here at City Church that young people should aspire to marriage, that you are designed to grow up and to get married, that marriage is a good thing, that it's a blessing. Marriage is something that all of us should work towards. But of course, marriage isn't magical. It's work. Marriage doesn't fix everything. There's lots of married people, maybe even in this room, and formerly married people in this room who would tell you that it's possible to be married and still be alone. Marriage does not fix everything, and many times you can be married and not really be in community. It's not good to be alone because God designed us for community, and while a husband and a wife and a Christ-centered marriage is the greatest community that we can ever experience with another human being, that's far from the only community that we are wired for. In fact, the New Testament tells us that there are people that God has, has ordained people, selected people, who they're never supposed to get married. That God gives them a special grace that they don't desire those things, that they're never going to get married. And it's not, man, and that's a bad thing for them to be alone. Why? Because they're not alone. Because God designed a greater community, a bigger community than just marriage for us to be a part of. He designed the church. That's what all of us should discover that community in, whether we're married, whether we're single, whether we're divorced, whether we're widowed, the church should be the place of our greatest community. I'm designed for it. You are designed for it. We are designed for it. 1 Corinthians 12 describes the church as a body, and it teaches that each part of the body needs the other parts. Most of the time, we treat community as optional. Well, hey, if I've got time for it, if I'm not too busy, if I'm feeling up to it, if I'm not too tired after work, man, I'll go and, and maybe I'll participate in some community. But the Bible doesn't teach that community is optional. It teaches that it's absolutely necessary. Listen to 1 Corinthians 12, 21. It says, the eye cannot say to the hand, and, and remember, each of these body parts is symbolic of one of us. You're an eye, I'm a hand, however you want to perceive that. But they, they're symbolic of Christians. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. So what does that mean? Number three, it means Christians need community with one another. It means you need me, and I need you. We need each other. Look at somebody and say, I need you. Now look at the other person and say, you need me. Right. We need each other. All of us are needed. We do. You need me. And I need you. And that sounds like Dr. Seuss wrote it, but it is so true. We need each other in the house of God. We need each other. We need godly community. I cannot say that I've arrived, that I've got it all figured out, that I've come to a place where I am self-sufficient as a Christian. We don't see that anywhere in Scripture where any Christian, outside obviously of Jesus himself, who's already in community with the Father and the Holy Spirit, no Christian ever gets to a place that they don't need somebody. Just like the song that Jimmy wrote. Man, nobody stands alone. None of us are that strong. None of us are that good. Don't deceive yourself into thinking that you can do this thing by yourself. God didn't design it that way. He created us to do it together. We need each other. One thing that I've experienced so many times, far too many times, since I've been here at this church in the past almost eight years, is 
car problem. I've had all kinds of car issues. I was thinking about that this week. I went to Brad Ellisrude's house. Actually, I was picking Gabe Moore up to take him bowling and parked in front of Brad's house, and my car died. And Brad helped me out. He gave me a ride and helped me find a mechanic. And, of course, the mechanic didn't fix it, but that's another story. Uh, but I, I was thinking through this week, like, how many times somebody in this church has had to bail me out with car problems in the last eight years? And it's an embarrassingly long list. Like, I, I was going through, and I was like, man, this is really just bad news. I remember the time Dale Sojourner came to pick my wife and I up halfway across Arkansas because our car died out there, and we were doing Youth Sunday the next Sunday morning. Well, I was still youth pastor, and so Dale drove hours out into the wilderness to pick us up. I remember Kim Steed picking me up on Highway 78 with a Jeep full of boys. We were heading down to a conference. Damien was there, uh, and, and the Jeep decided to die and had nowhere else to go. So we turned to Kim, and she came and bailed us out. I remember Rosemary giving me rides. Mark's helping me out multiple times. Um, I remember Dwindle very recently came and picked us up when we had car issues. Cody and Mercedes, I don't know how many times you guys have helped us out. Uh, too many times. Uh, man, it's not good. Like, I've had some really bad luck with cars. Let's just be real. It's kind of embarrassing to go through the list. But there's a deeper point here. We need each other. And that's just one practical element. I could go through so many other aspects of life, how I've needed somebody when, man, this came up. I needed somebody else when I hit this crisis. I remember when I was in college, my younger brother uh, attempted suicide for the first time. I was a sophomore in college. I was devastated. I mean, the enemy came at me, and every time I ever called him stupid or dumb or, like, everything that, you know, the older brother does to the younger brother, not that I'm advocating that, but every memory came to me, and it's like, this is why your brother tried to kill himself. It's your fault. You put him down. I mean, I was in the, the greatest attack of my life, the, the deepest depression I've ever been in. And God raised up around me four Christian guys on that campus who laid hands on me, who prayed for me. And, I, I mean, I remember as these guys circled around me, and prayed for me. I remember feeling that spirit of depression lift off of me. Like, I remember it being like an instantaneous thing. We need community. We need each other. None of us is so strong that we can go through the challenges of life on our own. It's the power of community. Many of you know what I'm talking about. Many of you have your own list of ways that God has used people in this building to help you out, maybe not in car issues because yours have been better than mine, but in some other aspect of your life, you could go through, here's who helped me with this and who helped me with this and who helped me with this. Maybe you don't have a list like that today. If that's you, I want to encourage you. This, that kind of community is available here. I haven't just discovered it because I'm a pastor. I promise. I mean, there's people here who will have your back, who will protect you, who will defend you, who will do whatever it takes to help you out. This church is full of generous, loving people who desire community and want to build a community around you. And I'm proud of you guys. And I'm grateful for you guys. We need community. Two more quick thoughts, and then we'll let you go. Proverbs 18:24 in the New King James says this. It says, a man who has friends must himself be friendly. I love that verse. King James, I think, says, a man who, has, who desires friends must show himself friendly. If you want community, it starts with you. That's our fourth point. Our fourth thought is that community starts with me. So many times we like to put the ball in somebody else's court. We like to expect somebody else to make the first move. Well, nobody said hi to me. Nobody greeted me. Now, I hope that didn't happen to you at City Church. I hope that you were greeted with a warm smile and a handshake. Somebody said, welcome to City Church. If that didn't happen, let me know. And we're going to have a talk with some people because we've got people who are trained up to do that. 
That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be friendly. We want to make the first move for you. But understand this. If you really desire deep community, if you desire deep relationship, all of us, it starts with us. I'm the one who's going to have to make the first move to get relationship. I'm the one who needs to take that first step. Community is on all of us. If we're serious about building community, then we're going to take those steps. And we are serious about building community here at City Church. So I've got a tool for you today. I'm going to put in your hands when you leave service to help you build community. When you go out those doors, we're going to have somebody waiting there with ice cream bars. We got Twix ice cream. We got Milky Way ice cream. We got Snickers ice cream. Everybody gets an ice cream bar on your way out. Here's the catch. If you take an ice cream bar, we're asking you to hang out for 10 minutes before you leave. Just hang out in front of the building for 10 minutes and connect with somebody. Get to know somebody. Talk to somebody, not necessarily somebody that you rode to church with. Like, let's not take the easy way out. Get to know somebody new. If you can't, if you've got, man, you've got to be at work at 12 o'clock and you're like hanging out to the last possible second when the service ends and you've got to bail, you can take a candy bar, all right? You can take some ice cream. But, man, we're asking you, if you take an ice cream bar and you can, just give us 10 minutes for you to connect with somebody here at City Church. We are serious about building community. We want to bless you in that way. So look at your neighbor say, community starts with me. I'm going to make you keep talking to people. You come to City Church, be ready. You're not going to be able to come to City Church and be silent. You're going to talk to somebody. Now look at your other neighbor and say, I want some ice cream. Right? Yes. That one always gets a better reaction. I don't know what it is. You're going to get some ice cream. All right. So that brings us to our final thought on community today and what I think is probably the most important is this. Some of you in this room need to hear this today. Number five, God's people should be my closest to you. If I call myself a Christian, if I am part of the body of Christ, my closest, deepest community, the people that I turn to when things are the roughest, the people I spend the most time with should be the people of God. God's people should be my closest community. One of my favorite pictures of salvation that scripture gives us is the picture of adoption. Uh, one of all the things that the Bible tells us that happen to us when we get saved, and there's so incredibly many of them, and, and they're all mind-blowing and beautiful in their own way. But I love the picture of adoption. God's put it in our heart to adopt. And many of you in this room have actually adopted, or a few of you. We think that's so cool. We applaud that. The, the idea of choosing a child, of bringing a child that doesn't have a family, and giving them a family. It's beautiful. But have you ever thought about that, your spiritual adoption? That we were spiritual orphans. That we didn't have a spiritual family. And that God, the greatest father of them all, reached down and he grabbed us and he said, I want you in my family. I choose you to wear my name, to come live in my home, to take the benefits of everything that it means to be my child. How beautiful is that? How incredible is that? I am adopted. You are adopted. In fact, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, that if any of us are in Christ Jesus, they are a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I'm not the person I used to be. If you've received Jesus, you are not the person you used to be. You are a new creation, a new person with a new name, a new identity. Everything's new when you come to Jesus. And part of that is you get a new family. Some of us have grown up in families that were less than ideal. In fact, I would say all of us have probably grown up in families that were less than ideal. Some of us families were better. Some of us, man, your families were very, very disastrous. But no matter what kind of family you grew up in, you got a great family now. 
Notice I didn't say you got a perfect family now. You got a perfect father and you got a great family. Because, man, the Christian family is not perfect. Not yet. One day we will be. One day we'll be completely like him. One day we'll be free from sin and free from drama and free from junk. We haven't arrived at that place yet. And so I'm not telling you that a Christian family has got it all together because it doesn't. But it's a great thing to be a part of. It's the greatest family, I believe, on this earth. And I believe that family is really absolutely the perfect illustration for God-given community. Because family is not perfect. Because no family ever has it all together. But what does family do? If a family is a good family, if it's a family that's operating the right way, family has each other's back. Family's there for each other when they need them. Family's looking out for one another. And that's the picture of the family of God. That you got a family that's behind you, that believes in you, that's praying for you, that's rallying behind you, that loves you. A family that's going to help you be more like Jesus. Let me say this. When we get to city groups in September, we're going to be opening up God's word. We're going to be diving into the word together, and we're going to be discovering what does it say to us together because we want community. We want friends. We want to have a good time. We're going to cook out, and we're going to play games, and we're going to do all that stuff. But we believe that a God-given community should make us more like Jesus. That's the reason to be in God-given community. It's not just to have friends. It's not just to have somebody to call up when you got a Saturday off and nothing to do. It's not just to have somebody to go fishing with, although all those things are great. But we want a God-given community that makes us more like Jesus. Somebody, a family that's going to be there to pray you through life's greatest challenges. A family that's going to do life with you. I believe that's what church is called to do any church, but I absolutely believe that's what City Church is called to be, and that's what we are, I believe in many ways that's who we already are, and we're going to become that in even greater ways over the next few weeks. We're going to be a family, a community, a city within a city.